Hello, I'm Michael Garvey, the chairman of Buckinghamshire Business First. And I'm delighted to be joined by Toddington Harper, who is the CEO of GridServe, based in Iver, um, who's doing some fantastic work in the area of sustainable energy, um, charging points for EV. But I'm going to let um, Toddington introduce himself in a moment. We're going to have a wide ranging conversation about the current climate crisis, um, what Toddington's business is doing to assist with that. Hopefully we'll dispel some myths about EV charging, about the availability of charging points on the network because Toddington and GridServe have been doing some amazing things on the motorway and hubs across the country. Um, and I think as we transition into a world of sustainable energy, What's most important at the moment is about dispelling some of the myths, giving confidence to people to drive EVs and really starting to get people thinking more carefully about climate change, the impact obviously upon the world around us um, and to think carefully about some of the technologies that are coming through to make a real difference. So that's enough from about um, the situation for me at the moment. So Toddington, uh, Good afternoon, welcome. Um, we met each other recently at an event at your offices in Iver, uh, where Joy Morrissey was um, hosting an MP briefing session. Um, and I was fascinated to hear about the work that you're doing. But why don't you tell our listeners a bit more about GridServe and your passion? Yeah, so uh, Michael, great to great to meet you again. And thanks for, thanks for having me on the podcast. Um, so yeah, so my name is Toddington Harper. Uh, I've been building uh, sustainable energy businesses for for over twenty years now. Um, I kind of, you know, I'm one of the few people that's kind of like a next generation sustainable energy person because my my parents were uh, were actually building um, solar energy and battery projects, uh, you know, forty five years ago, uh, and I'm not forty five, so that's kind of where I came from, um, and uh, I'm. Uh, I'm really focused on trying to, I guess, use this opportunity that we have um, at this very precious moment in time to really make a difference. Um, I developed and built GridServe, um, and uh, we're really doing uh, our bit to uh, deliver sustainable energy solutions, uh, particularly around power and transport um, at the scale within the timeframes available to, to really move the needle on climate change and, and make a difference. So, so in terms of sustainable energy, um, I mean, you know, I've got a good idea what that means, but just for clarity, let, let's hear from you about sustainable energy and what that really means. So, you know, what it really means, and I, and I guess I'll put that in the context of of the the IPCC, which is the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which is the world's top uh, body of scientists at the United Nations. Who for the last 30 years have been um, have been looking at, uh, at the climate science and, and monitoring uh, what's happening in weather patterns and looking at increasingly you know horrific uh, you know weather changes um, and identifying and correlating that to uh, you know the, the amount of carbon dioxide that's released when we burn fossil fuels um, and unfortunately they had to come together at the beginning of this year and in, in March this year and create something called the synthesis report that basically said this is the last chance you know we have a we're already at 1.1 degrees of warming uh, and to, I guess to remind people what that's like we saw more than 40 degrees temperature in the UK 
last year, which is unprecedented. At the same time around the world, we had, you know, around the world, we had the biggest floods um, imaginable in in uh, in places like Pakistan, where you know, 33 million people were out of their homes uh, due to flooding. Um, there were, you know, extreme weather events, hurricanes, tornadoes, wildfires and, and all sorts of stuff. And, and that's one point one degrees of warming. And so what the world's leading scientists have said look, is that, look, it's bad, but it's going to get much, much worse when we go beyond 1.5 degrees of warming, um, you know, let alone two or above. Um, and we're going to get there um, very, very quickly. And in, in fact, um, the only way not to get there is if we radically transform what we're doing, uh, we stop producing carbon uh, emissions, we stop emitting them in, into the atmosphere. Um, uh, and, and we do it, you know, pretty much immediately. And, and we effectively have around 10 years to make make a difference and when you look at it like that uh, you know and, and we're currently just to give you more perspective on track to wildly overshoot it uh, overshoot two degrees of warming and at two degrees of warming as an example 99 percent of all the world's coral reefs cannot survive and so when you look at it in that kind of broad context it's not something that we we often focus on as a species because it's just it's just too big isn't it it's too much to kind of get your head around um the other two bigger topic is that in the last 50 years uh, the World Wildlife Fund for Nature has has done its study and said that that seventy percent of the world's wildlife has been wiped out. So kind of like on our watch, at the time I've been living, we've presided over you know horrific you know climate uh, events and uh, and the destruction of species. And um, but the good news is that it, you know it, is there is an opportunity. There is an opportunity to mitigate it. There is an opportunity to kind of you know give back to nature. Um, and it's on our watch, but we have a very short window of time. And, and that's what I call moving the needle, because, it, you know, you can't just continue with business as usual, uh, because business as usual, as usual will lead to more of what we've already had before. Uh, so we really need to do something different. We need to do it very quickly uh, and we need to align what we're doing with the science of, um, of the world's leading scientists. OK, so so there's some big themes in there, aren't there? And obviously, you know, there's some dramatic changes happening around the globe all of the time at the moment uh, and, and as you've highlighted the impact is getting greater and greater but there is a resistance naturally I think isn't there to really think well what can I do you know uh, and, and I think people sometimes feel a little bit sort of helpless and maybe we'll come back to to what people can do to to make a difference but but clearly yeah. one of the things they can do uh, and you know there are so many sort of cars in the world um, so many sort of petrol and diesel cars um, contributing to sort of, you know, climate change significantly, that, that the whole world of electric vehicles has has changed the landscape a little bit, but there is a bit of a resistance to take that up. I think there's a lot of misunderstanding around the, the, the charging network um, and, and the impact that driving that EV can have positively to, to climate change. So, so how long have you as an organisation, because I know effectively you're taking sustainable power into a, uh, a, a, a grid, into a network, and then obviously encouraging people to, to drive electric vehicles. So maybe let's start with that energy production. So I, so I know you're big into solar farms, um, and in a county like Buckinghamshire, we've seen quite a lot of solar farm planning applications, quite a lot of development activity. Just tell us a bit about solar farms and dis dispel some of the myths there, perhaps. So I, I definitely will. And just to just to come back on one of the themes that you mentioned um, in, in the build up to that, 
is that um, you know people often feel powerless because these are just quite big topics. Um, but if everybody thought there's nothing I can do, then then we wouldn't be able to achieve it. You know, and the important thing is there is something that everybody can do, and we all need to do it because we're all living and ultimately, you know, want to look after the the planet for our you know ourselves, our future generations, and 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 beyond. So so we're really trying to help that. That the bit that we're you know enabling or helping uh, people to make the transition to is uh, is electric vehicles. Uh, we're doing that by putting in charging infrastructure across the depth and breadth of the country incredibly quickly that's in very very reliable um uh, so people have the confidence to transition to any type of electric car um but as you as you highlighted it's not just about uh you know being able to charge vehicles it's about where's that energy going to come in the first place so we, we kind of look at um again we, we take quite a macro view that um uh we, we we kind of think of a solar farm as a modern equivalent of an oil well um, people don't really think about it when you ask somebody, you say, where does the energy in oil and gas comes, come from? And a lot of the time people don't really think about it because you think, well, it comes from the ground. But but how did it get in the ground? Well, it, it, you know, it was plants and animals and probably bits of dinosaurs from hundreds of millions of years ago. But where did they get it from? And when you start peeling it back, you know, originally the energy was harvested by plants and, and algae through photosynthesis from the sun. So all of the energy in oil and gas comes from the sun. It was, it's just, you know, hundreds of millions of year old sunlight, which then needs to be refined, uh, processed, transported from generally fairly far away uh, places, um, uh, and ultimately then taken to combustion engine vehicles where it's burned. And, and so what we're doing is we're building a net zero equivalent of that. So instead of the um, oil wells using old sunlight, we are building new solar farms to generate today's sunlight. Uh, and actually, um, People again, it's it's just remarkable because we've done a lot of this. But for every acre of of uh, of land that we can put solar projects on in the UK, uh, we can generate enough energy every year to drive a million miles uh, in electric cars. Isn't that amazing? A million miles in electric cars. And so I'm delighted that there's some great activity in Buckinghamshire uh, because there's a lot of miles driven in Buckinghamshire. And uh, you know, and um, there's certainly, you know, th th there's certainly uh is a great opportunity to to produce a lot of that energy securely the other thing just briefly i guess talking about solar uh, i talked about biodiversity um you know uh destruction effectively and how how quickly we're losing you know wildlife and what we do when we build solar farms is we uh, not just generate don't just generate energy for for um for driving electric vehicles um but we also use uh you know use that land uh, to to benefit nature uh, so we actually turn solar projects into into nature sanctuaries to protect species, um, and really give and and really give them a home. So there's there's wonderful things that you can do with solar projects uh, about um, you know generating clean energy uh, for our modern transport and energy needs that's secure. You know, million miles for every acre uh, every year, um, but also giving back to nature in the process. And and then what we do is we we uh, take that sun energy. Um, it kind of needs to be refined because it's not always sunny. Sometimes yeah, it's at night, for example, every day, oh. you know, or sunnier in the summer and the winter and so on and so forth. So, so we use batteries in the middle to kind of refine that energy, make it more useful as to when you when you need it. Some projects we can put the energy directly into cars. Sometimes we'll have to put it into the grid in one location and net it off against kilowatt hours we take out in the grid in other locations. So it's either a zero or a net zero approach. We're then building uh, electric hubs at most of the motorway sites. So we've upgraded 85% um, of chargers on the motorway network in the last couple of years. And people probably don't realize that. 
but but we we actually did 130-ish locations in 130 days. It was 130 locations in 130 days, which is quite remarkable. And, and now what we're doing is we're we are upgrading them further with six to 12 really high power chargers. So chargers that are capable of providing 100 miles of charge in only five minutes just across the motorway network. And uh, cars today won't accept that level of power. Uh, the batteries won't accept it, but that means they're future proofed. Um, uh, you know, to be able to do that in the future, and and they're probably only you know only two or three years away. And, and I guess to complete the jigsaw, we are also building electric forecourts, which is like your modern, um, uh, modern uh, equivalent of a petrol forecourt for, for, to serve your location. We, we'd love to put some of these in in Buckinghamshire. Um, uh, and and uh, you know, t t the last piece of the jigsaw is to. Uh, to give people the confidence to transition we're also helping to lease electric cars so people can go and do test drives and they can you know try different types of vehicles without any obligation or or, or costs or so on um you know because when somebody gets behind an electric car then they start you know thinking ah oh, this, this is this is pretty cool uh, and then when they have the confidence that they can go and charge which you obviously can with our, with our network then you know it, it should really give people the confidence to, to make the transition and to do it straight away Brilliant. OK, so a lot of information there. So I'm, I'm going to unpack some of those sort of themes that, that you've spoken about. So so with solar farms, for example, I think the technology has changed significantly. And obviously, solar, solar panels have been around for a very long time. Um, you know, we're we're used to seeing them in a domestic setting. Um, obviously, you know, the solar farms are, are huge in terms of acreage and their ability. And I was interested here, you're sort of cutting out the middleman, really, aren't you? That sort of those millions of years of compressed dinosaurs and vegetation <laughs> to uh, produce oil and gas. You're cutting that whole process out by literally taking the sun onto a, a solar panel. So, so in terms of technology, I mean, it's interesting. So I'm looking out my window at the moment, and although it's just clouded over, the sun was out a short while ago. Is, is it a complete misnomer that you need the sun to be shining for these things to work most efficiently? What's the what's the relationship between sort of sunshine and effect and effectiveness effectiveness of a modern solar panel? Yeah, so um, so I mean, it's pretty obvious that it, it definitely helps. The, the sunnier it is, the more energy that's going to be produced. But perhaps what people don't realise is that the, the solar panels operate off daylight, not just sunlight. So you'll, you'll, you'll generate energy every day. It's just you'll generate more on sunnier days. Um, you know, we we work a lot with uh, with solar energy because it's just so straightforward, such a reliable technology. Um, and it's just getting better and better all the time. But it's not the single solution. You know, wind power is also really a, a really important part of the solution. And there's a great relationship between solar and wind as well, is that, you know, when it's very sunny, it tends to not be as as windy and vice versa. Uh, and so the two work really well. Similarly, you get more more sun in the summer and more wind in the winter. So there's, again, a good yeah. a good fix there. The other great thing about solar is that, you know, if you're lucky enough to have solar, to be able to put solar on your rooftop, then you can, you know, very easily with a kind of standard size solution that people are deploying, generate around 10,000 miles of EV charging just from your rooftop mm. um, every single year. And like, that's just that's just awesome. You know, a roof which is already receiving that sunshine. It's just going onto a tile and and not much else. Um, that same roof space can can, you know, can make 10, uh, you know, 10 million or sorry, 10,000 miles a year. And that really is cutting out the middleman. Um, you know, you are absolutely yeah, and I think, harvesting that energy and putting it directly into your No, house. exactly. And I, th and I think you mentioned about sort of, you know, storing surplus energy within batteries. I think sort of battery technology has improved significantly in recent years, hasn't it? Because that's 
I think that's been one of the um, the big technology challenges is how do you sort of store that surplus energy that's produced from you know solar panels, for example? So so within a domestic setting, um, is it now possible for a household to be self-sufficient with effectively enough on-demand solar? But then when you know, as you say, weather conditions aren't aren't with you, perhaps the ability to store and then release that when you need it. Yeah, I mean that that's that's exactly what I do at my home. Um, I've got a reasonably large uh, solar array. I've got solar panels pointed on at, at different angles to the sun. So uh, in the east, um, it's kind of you know I catch the morning through. Then I have the south and then the west in the afternoon. Um, that's really good because that kind of balances generation throughout the day. Um, I have a battery on top of that, which can then further provide more balancing as to when it when it's needed. Um, I don't have any uh, any boiler. I put a heat pump in when I recently upgraded my my home, and so uh, that's really amazing because every unit of sunshine converts to about five units of heat, which is which is just amazing. And we've got uh, two electric cars, so you know, and over the course of all of that, we've got quite a quite a lot of energy use in the house. Um, but you know, like probably 60, 70 percent of my energy uh, is generated from from solar, which is yeah. great. And if I really yeah. optimize and I'm working on optimizing all these different bits and pieces, then I could probably get that as high as 80, 80 percent or more. Yeah. yeah. And of course, you know, energy security is becoming an increasing factor. You know, we, we've all had to live with much higher energy bills recently, which I think is brought into sharp focus, you know, an over reliance upon you know, fossil fuels. Um, and I guess, therefore, from a sort of climate emergency, doing the right sort of thing, but also a sort of you know pound in your pocket approach, um, I think more people will start to look at alternative means of power. But how readily is it available to the sort of you know normal household? It's interesting. So lots of new houses being built all over the place at the moment. Um, and I don't think it's a planning requirement unless you tell me otherwise for there to be solar panels and batteries and that sort of sustainability. So so how do we how do we start to embed that thinking in some of you know, the planning system, for example, is a is a good place to start. You know, what, what do you think about the idea of every new house having solar panels, having a degree of sustainability? Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not something that I um really focus on what, what i tend to focus on is the larger scale end of it so i'm not fully up to date um with all all of the laws and, and there are certain requirements for energy efficiency measures and and uh you know and hopefully renewable energy too but but it's it, it definitely should happen as you say for um you know for economic benefits as well you know homes are increasingly uh you know energy performance certificates are increasing increasingly yeah. you know viable you know important part of the value of your home so if you want to have a, a valuable home then you, you want to make it as efficient as possible because it's a less expensive home uh home to run um you uh, uh you know that there is um uh you know that there is an incredible um opportunity to uh to you know in generating your own energy to be yeah. uh, to be kind of you know not reliant on on the grid and energy security wasn't really a thing until well, we just never thought, you know, so much until, until a couple of years ago. And then all of right. a sudden it was like, wait a second. And, you know, the fact that I can generate as much energy as I need for my two cars from my house, in fact, a lot more, um, never having to use, you know, a, uh, 
a petrol station is it's, it's just it's very you know it, it, it's very um it feels very very freeing you know i'm not i'm not incumbent yeah. to the infrastructure and then equally there's people like me building much bigger versions of the same um across the country so we can build you know directly connected solar farms with quite big batteries that connect to public charging infrastructure so equally if there's you know if there's an oil crisis or there's something horrendous that goes on in some part of the world people wouldn't need to panic you know <laughs> worst case wait for a wait for a wait wait for some afternoon sunshine and uh and you'll well, be no, all right. exactly and, yeah no absolutely I so mean, it's interesting security benefits but but also with that um came the cost and you know yeah. i don't think anybody expected the price of energy to expect increase so much and obviously the price of the you know sunlight energy didn't in fact solar energy is you know getting cheaper and cheaper so there's you know financially it's it's really attractive um particularly if you use it in electric cars you know it's a very it's a secure way of doing things it, it feels great and you're obviously doing something great for the planet as well yeah and i think actually i guess as the cost of conventional let's call it traditional energy increases and i think it's hard to see that ever going down substantially um it doesn't tend to happen like that does it um and i think as the cost of sustainable energy um reduces um aligned with a change in attitudes i think we you know that there, there is a significant movement now in favor of this um so 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 let's mm. just think about electric vehicles for a moment so so I, i'm a two uh ev household as well um but, but yeah, perhaps definitely. disappointingly i always i also keep a diesel car uh -huh. um which is not so good <laughs> do um, you use it do you ever use it well yeah from time to time but on longer journeys and so actually i'm 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 a living example of somebody that got um sort of concerned a couple of years ago about the the lack of charging facilities on the motorway yeah the unreliability of some of those services um and, and i have to say to my shame you know if we're going a long journey now we tend to use the diesel car but i was speaking to um some of your colleagues about your rollout on the motorway network which has sort of passed me by a little bit i was used to a couple of years ago turning up at a service station there might be you know one charging point for non-tesla car owners with two nozzles for the different types of charging um connectors and, and often you know they would they wouldn't be working somebody would be on it and again we spoke didn't we about the protocol of queuing for charging points when you go to a petrol station the queue is obvious if you go to a motorway service station perhaps it's less obvious but but a lot has changed so maybe tell our listeners a little bit more about the very significant work you've been doing on the motorway network and now you know what does a grid serve charging point look like on a motorway services yeah so um i mentioned on the you know briefly earlier that we we, we took over a network which is the oldest network um in the uk from from ecotricity uh, he kind of passed us passed us the baton for the next phase um we we mobilized um a, a lot of funding um, we just went like the clappers to upgrade all of the existing charges, the ones that you, you talked about, um, you know, typically one or two per location. And our plan, you know, first part of it was let's just replace all of those with really new charges. Um, that was never going to solve the problem. It was just going to, um, you know, make the process more straightforward because we went from a lot of old chargers that, uh, you know, in their heyday were were the best thing out there. But, you know, 10 years later were pretty unreliable and, and the tech was very old and and, uh, and and didn't deliver the customer experience to suddenly they all work. There just weren't enough of them. Um, 
And then the next phase uh, is how do we get a lot more? And to get a lot more, we've also been investing in new grid connections. Um, and that takes a lot longer because you've got to connect to the, you know, the, the, the medium voltage or high voltage uh, power cables. Uh, you've got to negotiate all sorts of, you know, access routes for the cables and all sorts of stuff. But, but the good news is we've been doing that for quite a while now. Uh, and these sites are really, really coming on stream. So we've got around 20 of these new sites live. We call them electric super hubs. So we leave the new charges in that we already replaced. And then alongside them, we, we put in a minimum of six, uh, but it could be 12, it could be 18, it could be 24, really high power chargers. Uh, as I mentioned, up to 350 kilowatts of power. Um, and that just takes away the anxiety. You know, and even if there is a queue, you're not going to queue for very long. And uh, and really, we are focused on delivering as many of these, as these as possible, as quickly as possible. You know, dozens and dozens and dozens of these new electric super hub sites this year alone. Um, you know, we've got a great, great partnership with uh, with Moto um, and uh, and Roadchef in particular, where we're you know really focused on upgrading these locations. Um, and um, you know, and we're just going for it to to really get there as a. As, as, as quickly as we possibly can and, and that will give you the confidence so you know next time you're going on a long journey Michael do, do let me yeah. know <laughs> do let me know you know, and yeah, I, I'd, no, really love, know. I'd really love to, to be give give you the confidence say you know what I can leave that diesel at home it's going to be okay yeah. as an example you might want to have a look at like Reading services for example or Heston uh you know has the knee spanner some of these types of sites that we've upgraded mm. recently where you can turn up in any type of electric car you can you don't need to be affiliated to any network you just turn up you plug in you pull out a contactless card you touch it to the device it starts charging uh it will charge as quickly as your car will allow it to um and you go and have a coffee cup of coffee yeah and, and it should so, be so, fine so these, so these charge now are literally sort of you know plug and pay because it used to be that you had to sign up for some sort of thing and make a prepayment and you know i i was i did this a couple of times a couple of years ago and it was just so painful you you, you know you weren't quite sure you know, if you had paid, you know, and, and there's, there's been some horror stories, but actually you're, you're giving me that confidence that I and other uh, drivers need, I think, that literally you can you can turn up that there's, um, you know, minimum number of these, they're fast. Um, you can simply just sort of pay as you go. And as you say, go and enjoy a coffee and a relatively quick coffee by the yeah. sounds of things. Yeah, and, and the thing is, is that I've been an electric vehicle driver since 2014. And so what's that about nine years of, um, of uh, you know, of this, this, this adventure, and it was very adventurous in the early days, it was very tricky. Um, and, uh, and so everything that I personally learned as an individual, and we've got an amazing team of, of you know, really, really incredible people from, uh, you've kind of come together to, to, to drive it what we do over the line. Um, you know, we've learned what it's like. So I was also one of those people who turned up at a charger in the middle of nowhere that wasn't enough. It wasn't charging or, you know, or you didn't have the right membership card in your pocket and it hasn't gone well. So all of that kind of learning and experience is is, is what we've put into what we have today. And, you know, so that the base level is you don't need any of that. It's a contactless card um, or device or Apple Pay or whatever it might be, and, and it will start the charge. But we have got some really cool technology coming down the line. Uh, which is, you know, which is actually the next level beyond that, which is something called auto charge. So, you know, when we release an app, which will happen in the next few months, uh, then uh, then people have the opportunity to to remember their, you know, their contactless details, basically. Uh, and uh, and so next time, you know, and you then affiliate those with the vehicle. So next time you just turn up, you plug in the car and it'll automatically start charging. 
and the app in your pocket will tell you how charged it is. So if you wanted to, you know, if you wanted to leave in 15 minutes or whatever, you know, you can say, hey, you know, can, can, can you set my status and so on? So it should be really, really reliable. Um, it will be really, really reliable. And it will just, again, go to reinforce that confidence. And, and we'll continue to develop features and so on just to, you know, because what we're aiming for isn't to remove the anxiety that you, you know, clearly have as an example about those long journeys, but it's to, it's to eliminate that entirely and replace that with a, you know, the, the, the concept you wouldn't dream of taking your, your, your diesel car because right. that's just, you know, like what a, what a crazy thing to do when I've got this amazing electric thing and, and it's just so much better and I love these chargers and I, it's just great. And, you know, my, and also we're bringing additional tools to help with journey planning to minimise your amount that you need to charge at locations and just to make it really awesome. Um, and that's the plan. Yeah, and I, well, and I certainly hope our listeners have taken away, you know, that point, which is the the confidence to, you know, go out and explore, as you've put it, and, and not be sort of fearful of, you know, sort of going on a long journey and 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 worrying about sort of running out of, of charge. And I think, you know, that sort of confidence will undoubtedly assist the rollout of, of EVs. And I guess as more and more people um you know buy into the whole sort of sustainability of evs it, it should hopefully get them thinking about you know also you know what they're doing within a home environment within a work environment in terms of reducing their energy consumption and making sure that they are they are using sustainable energy so 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 you mentioned sort of technology change um and i think you know, clearly for, for EV drivers, it's about the availability of chargers, it's about the speed of chargers, and obviously within EV cars themselves, it's the ability of the battery to take a faster charge and obviously hold hold a more significant charge. But in terms of technology changes, and I'm thinking now generally about sustainable energy, what what what's coming down the line that you think is going to be a bit of a game changer? What 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 are you sort of looking forward to that you've got some insight about? So, I'm really looking forward to it. I think people will um, will really get excited when they see the next generation of batteries that can basically take the level of power that the charges that we put in can provide. Um, you know that is uh, that's coming really quickly. Um, it's not this kind of concept of, oh, it'll come from somewhere. It's already there. There are companies already making this kit. There are companies, you know, working out how to put it into the next, you know, next kind of generations of vehicles. And it's already happening, um, you know, to, to a level uh, pretty quickly already. Um, you know, cars, you know, about, when was it, in 2014, we were delighted if we could get a 50 kilowatt charger. And now I'm putting in 350 kilowatts. That's seven times the power. In fact, we're actually looking at our first 400 kilowatt uh, charges. And that's a sub five minute charge for 100 miles of uh, of charge. So I think that's going to make uh, a huge difference. Um, I think the other thing is that there's so many electric cars coming. They're, they're, they're great. Like in, in, a, in a few you know, just a few, I think, te you know, the, the Tesla Model S was the one that made the difference because I don't know if you remember but before then, te you know, electric cars were considered a little bit boxy and a little bit geeky and they weren't very cool. And then all of a sudden there was this really cool car that just happened to be electric. Um, and now there's loads and loads of them. And, and, and you know, when you get one, you I just think it makes people a bit more environmentally conscious anyway, because all of a sudden you're not you're not polluting the air, um, you know, what comes out the end of the exhaust pipe is 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 pretty unpleasant, really, when you think about it. Um, 
and uh, you don't do that when you're uh, when you when you have an electric car and you know if you can make energy from your home which you'll start to think about if you you can you know you're thinking why am I buying energy from from somebody else when I can make it myself that makes you think more about that and and I think just generally it makes you think well maybe I should transition my energy supply to something that, that somebody that produces green energy um and uh you know and, and and so on and so forth so I think there's lots of cool stuff um and and I, I guess the, the bit where we're trying to come at it from is um you know is how can we you know help people make this transition without you know any compromise kind of the other way around you know really not because the government is saying uh that we have to not not just because the world's leading scientists are saying look if you guys don't you know you will be the generation that that, that didn't didn't move the needle and you're the last uh the last generation to, to ever have that opportunity you know in, in terms of the the opportunity we had today but simply you know all that's true but how do we do it simply because we make it better you know and to make it better you can have really great locations to charge so if once someone wants to see an incredible way to charge the car kind of look at our electric forecourt in Essex or another one we have in Norwich we're building one at Gatwick Airport at the moment uh we're about about to build one in Stevenage as well and as, as I mentioned very keen to do electric forecourts in Bucks if anyone wants to uh, come forward and suggest some 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 locations um but you know that will really give people the confidence uh getting into an electric car uh driving all these new models around will hopefully give people the desire um and you know and we're we're investing in these super high power chargers today um so that you know when the next kind of generations of vehicles do turn up um then people will be able to charge them incredibly quickly and that's also why it's a good idea to to lease an electric car we think today that's why we we lease electric cars to because you don't need to worry about you know what is the you know, should I get one now or should I get one in the future? Because, you know, what's the tech? Because there's a lot of technology change. Yeah. Whereas if you lease an electric car, you don't worry about that. You, you hand the keys to the leasing company and you say, right, <laughs> now I want one of these new ones that Toddington yeah. was talking about that's going to charge, you know, 200 kilowatts or plus of power or, or you know, maybe 350 by that point. Um, so there's lots of cool stuff, um, you know, that there really isn't, um, you know, uh, there really are, are very limited, uh, I would say, downsides to to this, and just for so many reasons, uh, not least the protection of our, you know, the, the the single planet that we all call home. We we really do need to get a move on and do this. Brilliant, Toddington. So our time is um, just about up. Um, I think actually I was going to ask you to make a few final points, but actually you've done it inadvertently. I think you've covered every uh, topic that we had touched upon and given a fantastic uh, concluding statement really a call for action it sounded like um but is there anything Certainly else is. you want to say at all um yeah i mean i think i've just kind of echoed it enough it, it just seems a bit too unbelievable we, we we've got so much going on in our in our uh in our work life you know we've got you know, busy family life. There's all sorts of challenges in the economy. There's all sorts of other stuff, and you know, and these topics that I've been talking about just just seem a bit too big and a bit too too scary, mm. and and they can't really be be true, can they? And the the inconvenient truth, and that's you know, Al Gore, you know, got that title very right years ago. Yeah. When he talked about climate change as the inconvenient truth. Is it's is it's happening? You know, you don't when you drive down the road these days, you don't get bugs in your windscreen, and you used to 20 years ago. Um, you know, when uh, we don't we didn't get 40 degrees heat waves um, and we are now. And 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 unfortunately, I wish it wasn't true. I just wish it wasn't true. But unfortunately, it is. And uh, and, and it's been left to us to sort out. And, and we are fortunately at a point where there's no real disadvantages 
by sorting it out. There's just like loads of advantages. So to everyone out there who's listening, who's on the fence, go and get an electric car. Yeah. You know, it's the right thing to do. And it's an awesome, awesome thing to do. Um, transition to an electric, you know, a green energy supplier. Why not? It's a great thing to do. Put solar panels on your house. You'll, 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 you'll definitely thank me for it, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, and, and let's just do our part, you know, future yeah, generations. I yeah, and I think if you break down the barriers, so so basically, as you say, you know, the, the, some of the topics are too big for some people to get their heads around. But if like, if you break down the barriers and you make it easy for people, I, and I guess ultimately it's a bit of carrot and stick, you know, the the, the carrot, you know, have a fantastic, you know, electric vehicle that, you know, I, I drive one and they're great fun to drive. I think you've got to give people, you know, you, you can't just frighten people into these things that doesn't sadly work but but it is quite frightening nevertheless but i think if you can break down the barriers if you can make it easier for people i think people are prepared to listen aren't they but you know that there has to be a movement of people like yourself who who lead by example who who give people the opportunity to to do the right thing and and you know more and more people i think will follow you i'm sure they will but um, I, I think michael i think i think future generations will will judge us you know history will judge us and they will say when you knew when the world's leading scientists had told us unequivocally humanity this is your final chance and you were in that driving seat and you had the opportunity you know wouldn't it be awesome won't it be awesome to be able to look back and go you know what we're the ones that delivered yeah. we're the ones that knocked it out of the park and that is the opportunity that is available to us uniquely so we really just just need to seize it. Yeah, Poddington, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much. Um, I'm certain our listeners will find it fascinating. Um, and thank you to those listeners for joining us today. Thank you very much.